Hello, partners, friends, reformers, friends of God. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. I'm honored that you've chosen to take your valuable time to receive from this ministry. I'm here this week with my dear friend, Pastor Rich Sparks of Believers Victory Center in Moorfield, West Virginia. Uh, if you didn't join us last week, I said, uh, we've been doing this broadcast uh, since July of 2020, mm -hmm. where every Thursday night we've had this broadcast. You were my first guest yes. back then, and a lot changed. Yes. And you told us last week about um, a dream you received at 14 years old yes. that is actually just playing itself out now. 30 years later. 30 years later. Yes. We talked a little bit about that process. We talked about... What do we do with all the prophetic revelation we have? Yeah. How do we walk that out? And I felt um, just as uh, just before we began to record this uh, broadcast together, part two, uh, just to actually read out of Genesis uh, 37, because Joseph's one of my favorite people in Scripture. Yes. And if you're not aware, Joseph is a type and shadow uh, in the Old Testament. And I just want to read part of uh, this story here. Uh, Genesis uh, 37, verse 23. This is reading of the NIV. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern, and the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. And um, I'm going to uh, skip on to verse 28. Uh, this is Genesis 37, 28. It says, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled up Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took, who, who took him to Egypt. And the reason I just felt like impressed with the Lord as we, we jump into this broadcast is we're talking about the dream, the beginning of the fulfillment of this dream, a time of harvest, a time of outpouring. Yeah. But oftentimes, I think sometimes we, we don't necessarily um, speak or, or talk about, I call it uh, the process. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're all still in process, even when we're fulfilling for, for phoretic things. But the challenging, difficult things that come up when we are walking out mm -hmm. God's purpose for our life. And the reason I read Joseph is he gets this dream and then, and then literally everything in his life goes opposite to what God has told him. Yes. Want to jump in there? <laughs> There's a lot in there, Abner. Yeah. And, and uh, the 30 years of process have been a lot of to where it's at today. Uh, you know, a lot of times people see you in the season chapter you're in, um, and they don't realize the process has gotten you there. Um, if I would start with that process, uh, I talked about a dream that I had when I was 14 years old. Um, I had a dream where I saw wheat fields, I saw the finger of God in cursive right Highlands Harvest. At the time I lived in Highlands County, Florida, um, and then eventually the church changed its name now to, to Highlands Harvest there in Highlands County, Florida. So I thought it was over. I find myself 30 years later in Potomac Highlands, West Virginia. So the Lord's up to something, but I want to start with the process of that before... Um, uh, the start of the process of, of being called to ministry. What I, I have not talked about is that that same summer when I had the dream, um, I was actually sexually raped during that year. And it's about the time that I um, wow. 
that's all man that's maybe a whole nother podcast for another day yeah, right um dramatic. but i was beginning to know the call of god in my life i not not to what i thought that but i knew there was a call there sure i knew the lord was calling me into ministry one day i didn't know what that meant i just knew there was a call in my life um and randomly enough because i grew up in florida my family was here in west virginia we came back here for like a summer thing me and my brother stayed here and during that time in west virginia Oddly enough, where I do minister now, uh, I had a family member uh, sexually rape me during that year. Is it before or after you had the dream? I'm sorry, I missed that part. I, it was, it was, the dream was before the rape. Wow. Hmm. So you want to talk about starting the process. Yeah. The Lord is starting to show me encounters. I know that, I know that eventually the Lord is going to use me in ministry. Uh, and then this traumatic thing begins mm-hmm. to happen, which shook and rattled my whole world. Sure. Um, and the one thing about it was, is that I started in, that happened in West Virginia, obviously went back to Florida, you know, um, from the summer vacation. And um, because I was back home in Florida, I tried to just forget it because it was, I wasn't in the same state. I was back home um, and I just go back to being the good church kid I was, you know, I was grew up in church, youth. My mom's on every every women's board there is. You know, we're at every... Rev- Listen, one thing I always joke about is this generation gets to go to three-day conferences. When I grew up, we were going to six-week revivals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sleeping yeah. underneath pews. I grew up the same way. You know, uh, yep. doing your homework in the pews. And uh, we were just church, you know, and... Um, or make, it, make him believe you had homework so you didn't have to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're napping in the back yeah, of the yeah, pews. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but regardless, we were there, and my dad's a deacon in the church, helped with a soundboard, and we just went back to church life and normal life and our, what we did, and I, and I tried to forget it, but it was... If I had to start with process, where I have to start at, because mm-hmm. that was the start of what the it's Lord good. was doing in me, uh, and things that were coming against me to stop that, because... Even though I had tried to ignore it, the, the, the roots of that sexual abuse began to take hold. Um, and I began to be a really angry teenager and just what we thought was just rebellious, but I was really just angry and hurting. And, um, and uh, you know, so, and the only safe place I felt relief was I'd go to church and I'd, I'd become very addictive to just being around uh, things of church and his presence and concerts, whatever, I, I just went um, to try to ignore that pain. Ignore that pain. Ignore that pain, but the call of God was not leaving me. And mm. what was odd about it in that season is I remember there was times where I would be helping minister with other people, kids, and they would be crying, and uh, just for whatever various reason. And But tears were coming down my face, not for them, but for myself. Mm. And randomly enough, uh, so there was this period between... 13, 14 years old, when this happened to me. Can I just pause here for a second? Yes. And then we'll let you keep kind of tracking. I think the thing that, and and last broadcast, we discussed just some foundational things of walking out, all these different things that God is speaking to us and how we can just position ourselves to all that stuff. But I think even with Joseph's story, so you get this dream, Mm. this very obviously demonic thing happens in your life. And... The thing that was jumping out to me, and, and it always jumps out to me, is often when God gives us understanding, this part of our purpose, the enemy, and you'll see it in the story, the enemy will try and define you by your present circumstance. Yes. And, because it's totally different. Yes. Because Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, without 
vision, and we know literally it's saying prophetic revelation, the people of God perish. So he's trying to steal the prophetic revelation Uh for you to see through those eyes, and he's trying to define you, whether it be, you know, you read the scripture about God wanting to prosper you the next day, the car breaks down, you ain't got money for anything. He tries to define you by your circumstance, not where God has said or what he's spoken to you. And that is exactly, I, I could not start of the process of the 30 years because there was a lot happened in those 30 years sure. that were really huge things of markers of ministry that were not great. They were awful to walk through. Mm. Um, but sometimes the lens of what I was walking through had to start with that beginning thing mm-hmm. because like when I would walk through seasons of rejection or pain or, or, you know, uh, pastors turning their back on you or, mm-hmm. or denominations, um, the rejection sometimes felt even overwhelming, but I had to go back to the root of seeing through that lens of that identity yeah. of, of the pain and the rejection of, and the hurt of the abuse from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's something I've had to, uh, over the course of the last 30 years, go, okay, is this really this situation or am I identifying something with the foundational break that happened? Right, yeah, the trauma. Um, and so I've always had to walk through that. Yeah. But I will tell you something just to kind of say this. So my family decided that after high school we would move from Florida back to West Virginia. So you graduated high school in Florida. I did. Yeah. I graduated high school in Florida. Uh, uh, Avon Park Red Devils, probably not the greatest uh, carnal <laughs> name, but uh, <laughs> we were one of the best baseball teams there was in the state. Uh, incredible. Uh, but we moved back here, and uh, the Lord's hand was upon it. I didn't see it at the time. I was uh, supposed to go to Bible college in Columbia, South Carolina, and just decided, hey, I'm going to move back with my and I thank God I did. And there was a lot of traumatic season walking through it um, because when I got here, uh, my family ended up moving back in the exact same house that I was raped in. Mind you, no one knows about the rape yet. No one knows about mm-hmm. them. I've not talked about it. This has been uh, probably five or six years. Um, and so I ended up moving back in the exact same bedroom that I was raped in. Wow. Um, and it was very traumatic. I was starting to have all these flashbacks and all this stuff happening. and. Um, I, I was starting to literally visualize and have dreams. I mean, it's funny, my dreams went from harvest, prophetic, in, you know, uh, fulfillments to now demonic nightmares mm. and have switched in this season. Uh, but the Lord, I believe, had to bring me back to deal with the root of it because I would have continued on in life. I would have went into ministry. I would have, you know, married someone, been on staff somewhere, and I would have never dealt with the root cause and probably had a huge public failure somewhere because I had never dealt with it. Mm. And so before he ever allowed me, now mind you, I knew at, at 13, 14 years old, I was gonna go into ministry, had this dream, um, but I had never dealt with this thing inside me. Was still, not, I'm not in ministry, I'm just going on in life, um, and very confused, angry, you know, young guy, I was 20 years old, and um, started dealing, started having all this stuff going on with me. And um, eventually tried to commit suicide when I was 20. I don't know if we we're going to go this far into this podcast, but here yeah, we are. Here we are. Uh, I hope it's helping somebody, Lord, because it it's is. digging my roots out right yeah. now. Uh, it's but good though. It, it I, you know, I, I think I, it's good though too because um, one of the realities that I try and live with is you can't ever move past something that you won't identify. Yes. And God does His best work when you um, identify reality and truth. Yes. And it it is not a, 
negative confession. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going, this is a problem in my life. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, um, and I say that, I, I don't, you know, you don't go around confessing all of that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is often sometimes I have seen believers do not refuse to deal with something and they spiritualize their dysfunction, like, wow, I'm not going to confess it or whatever. Yep, yep. But you can't deal with something yes. unless you uh, bring it truthfully before yeah. the Lord right. and, and to other people. Right. And so that that's where we can get healed. That's where we yes. can get free from. And also, I think that maybe people have never heard this. I honestly have never heard this. I've, I've, real good friends with you. And I think that this is important for people too, because maybe people are seeing the fruit now, the grace of God that's on your life, the apostolic call, the, you know, the, the, you know, your ministry to people, which is a blessing and powerful. And maybe they don't, they they think there's this thought that the enemy loves to put in people's head. Well, his life's been perfect. And, you know, everything's gone great in his life. And I think that one of the marks of maturity and, and the marks to me of, of, leaders and healthy leaders are people who can identify yeah. the trauma in their life. So you, I, I say this you, a lot, um, that one thing I like the story of Jacob wrestling for the blessing. Mm-hmm. He's determined to get blessed. Mm-hmm. And we finally see him wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And one of the markers of him becoming blessed and him being renamed is he touches his hip and he walks with a limp the rest of his life. Mm. There's a imperfection there. There's a, a definite marker his name's changed, he's now blessed, yeah. but there's a marker that something has happened. And I always say this, that find leaders that have a limp. Mm. It doesn't mean they're not changed, the name's right, right. not there, yeah, yeah. The, the greatness is not there, but that's where the power comes from, because the greater the purpose, the greater the fight mm. um, over your life. And so here, you know, I, I, I knew the call got on my life, and then immediately when the call happens, you know, and, and it's probably just like a lot of you watching, like, man, oh, man, from the beginning, before I was even born, my mom was praying over me, I'm a prophet, I'm this, I'm, too. you know, these yeah. things. And then all these fight begins to happen. Um, and, and the truth be known is it didn't even start with me. It started back in generations with my mom. Sure. and That's right. um, With my father. You could go back. It's just like you these generational things because it's trying to stop the promises of the Lord. Um, and so, um, you know, I one thing about this, I was thinking about Joseph because we're talking about Joseph here is that I've wondered many times would Joseph had been sold by his brothers and sold into prison had he not opened his mouth and not revealed the dream. Hmm. So was it, a, was it a place of immaturity? Obviously, God was yeah, going to fulfill it's destiny. It's, it's an interesting part of that story. It right? is. There's all, different pe- there's all different parts. like Viewpoints. Yeah, like, oh, he was immature. He was at, I don't, I, I, I think... Those are just conjecture. I think, you know, I, think I think I think every every viewpoint is valid because we don't really know. Because by the time you see this processing from that moment to where he goes to the pit, he goes to the prison, right. he goes to the lies, the scandals, to where finally he's standing in power before his family and says nothing. That's right. And one season he's saying everything which got him in trouble, but the process matured him into the destiny. Right. And a lot of us don't realize you, you're anointed. The Lord has placed the calling on your life, but the process of an, being grown into the anointing or growing like David. It's maturely, yeah. It, it, and that's yeah. what this process has been for 30 years, has been yeah. a mature, God use. And a lot of people have asked me, would you take away the rape? No. Mm-hmm. Would you take away this situation, that situation, when denominations have turned their back on you, mm-hmm. when friends have stabbed you in the back? Would you? No. 
because each season taught me something. Each season, and we were going to talk about that. What do you do when the trauma happens? What do you do when the betrayal happens? And we've all happened. If you've led anybody, they've betrayed you. Come on. I mean, yeah. you know, if you've led anything in life, and, uh, and especially if you uh, are, are good at what you're doing, not everybody's for you. And sometimes, and what do you do in between it? What do you do in those seasons? I want to go back for a second. We can do, you, we, yes. you, you said you attempted to commit suicide at 20 years old. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And you don't have to get into the details yeah. of that, but how do you, obviously, <laughs> thankfully you weren't successful, but yeah. how do you kind of move past that? Uh, what was the process of recovery? Okay, so uh, this is my actually my testimony of the Lord is uh, that happened in my life. Um, I stored up multiple because at the time like I was all over the place I'm dealing with this calling that's still there I'm, I'm dealing with this trauma that's present I'm dealing with all this confusion so I was just I was angry I was I was all over the place I was it was almost like I was bipolar because I was all over the place right yeah and so uh so I'm seeing a psychologist I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me yeah. and uh you know, of course, they started giving you all these things. And so I just started storing up all the pills, anxiety pills and depression pills and all okay. stuff. And eventually I took 80,000 milligrams worth of pills and, and also cut my, my wrist here, mm. which is scars on my uh, wrist here from that. And um, woke up in a hospital in recovery. Um, I was actually angry I was still alive because I thought I'd planned it out so well to be done. Mm. And uh, I woke up, and so the judge made a deal with my parents to bring me back to West Virginia because I was in another state. And um, what got my attention is I was home, and um, uh, the bill came in the mail from the hospital, and the bill was for six hundred and sixty-six dollars, point zero zero. Wow. Six 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 point zero zero. And I knew enough, you know, the word and yeah. all this. Thing. I was like. I was like, the devil tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. I started laughing. First time I'd laughed in probably a couple of years and I laughed. Wow. And so I called my grandma and I was like, aren't you guys having church tonight? I really need to get to a church. Hmm. And so I came and I, I was sitting in the church. I'm sitting in the back. I'm angry. Well, I don't even want to be there. I'm just angry at the world. And the past, I mean, the evangelist that was there, his name is Joey Shepard. Hmm. Still love the man. He's been so much to me, but he was a prophetic evangelist. And he begins to prophesy over me. Calls me to the front. Really? When so I was so reading he, my mail. Does he stand up and do this? Or no, he's teaching? preaching and he does oh. an altar. Oh, okay. And then he asked me, he said, young man in the back, will you come forward? And so mm -hmm. I did. And um, uh, he starts reading my mail. Word for it. Stuff that I had never told anybody publicly, ever. And um, uh, so I was reading my mail. And uh, he said, I'm going to lay my hands on your heart and it's going to feel like a sledgehammer. And it's going to break up the mountain of emotion and hurt. Mm. And literally when he put his hands on me, it did feel like a sledgehammer. It broke up the mountain of hurt. And this is also part of the process. Is over the last 30 years, the mountain broke to where I could breathe and I could feel God's hand on me. Mm. But over the last 30 years, God's been pulling the rock, so. Which is a whole mm. other conversation. But the process, process. The process began there. It started there. Yeah. It allowed me to be able to breathe. It put wow. fire back in me. And I just... I just, I was like, God, I'm going to pursue you now. I don't know what From all this day. meant. Yes. Wow. I didn't know what it meant. I was still a wreck. I was, uh, my, my pastor had to help me a lot. Yeah. I was, I was jacked up. I was everything you didn't want in a church, but you did want in a church. Yeah. Uh, and the process started, started uh, when I was 20, 21 years old. Hmm. 
and just had a great support system around me, people that wouldn't give up on me, people that believed mm -hmm. in me. And the hand of God was upon my life then. They would ask me to stand up and testify, and I would. Because that's the thing about Joseph. He's in the pit, but the dreamer don't stop. He's yeah. in the, you know, he's, he's there. And I would testify of the goodness of the Lord, and people would get saved during testimony. Remember testimony time yeah. in church? And I would testify, and people would get saved. Mm -hmm. And so they knew there was this identifying marker that was on me that I was a preacher. Yeah. You know, I'm not a preacher, but there was that calling there. And shortly after, I got thrown into ministry very quickly because if he can testify like this, he can preach like that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I want to say this is very important. I, I went through the saving grace of, of, of salvation, but I never went through the transformation to begin to grow. And I went from salvation to preaching very quickly. And, and sometimes I regretted those moments because the Lord wasn't done pulling rocks out of me. And, he, mm. and I didn't need to be in public ministry too soon. And so uh, the good thing is, is that shortly after that, I did meet a man named Pastor Hightower who slowed me down. Mm. And for seven years, I was just allowed to serve and spend time with him and, and, and do nothing but uh, carry his Bible and drive him around. And, and, and In a just, good way, you're just serving. Just being disciples. He's not, he's, yeah, exactly. The discipleship And the process. rocks began to be revealed, and the Lord was just slowly mm. pulling things out of me um, to where he was preparing me for public ministry. That is really interesting that you just said that because we were actually on the drive yeah. yesterday, a few hour drive from Washington, D.C. Yeah. One of the characteristics that I've observed and we're, we're kind of talking about challenges and processes uh, in walking out the purposes and the promises of God is, but one of the things I've observed and I like to observe observation through learning and significant people that I've seen that have stayed the course. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had John, Dr. John Peterson on the broadcast, you know, in, in the month of May. I encourage you to watch that broadcast. But part of his journey was he encounters the Lord as an adult. He's in a very, very difficult situation going through a divorce. And this man says, I'm going to sit and disciple you. Yes. My dear friend, uh, Pastor Ken Peters, when he got born again, somebody took him in, discipled him, really got into him. So you had this, you had, um, I call it, encounter impartation through yeah. this evangelist and then the, the process began and what really processed to me is when we're talking about process and doing the impossible literally doing the impossible yeah. the, the life that god has called us to do is in the everyday mm -hmm. allowing the followership of jesus discipleship but also somebody who took an interest in you yes that said hey i see the call of god on your life yeah. but in a really good way young man you got a lot of things to a learn lot of things to grow up in and i remember uh, actually, in my early 20s, you know, um, 23, starting in full-time ministry, and um, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you're talking, and, and I would remember seeing, like, the smirk on older people. And, yeah, and, <laughs> come I, on. Yeah, and I would think, I think, what are you talking Like, I know what I'm talking about. And, and, and the, the, the point is that this part of discipleship is yeah. you're, you're a learner. Yeah. And... It means that God has something to educate you about. Yes. And I have learned that I'm still always learning. Yeah. It never, like, it yeah. never ends. I, my newest book is here. It's like, even after I'm done, it's like, oh, I've learned a little more, hopefully. Yeah. And, man, that is just about this much on the subject of faith. Yes. And so you start walking this process of discipleship. Yeah.
So. You know, this generation is, is uh, we've gotten so quick to just want to run and, and go. And, um, but I, I'll never forget this video by Lou Engle being, it was called Harness of the Lord. Mm. And a lot of people think that, you know, Lou's been around forever, but publicly he's been only been around since his late 40s to early 50s. Right. And then the Lord just blows him up to what he is now. Um, but he talked about being harnessed of the Lord. And mm. he compared it to different horses. And I just encourage you to go back and watch because he says it way better than I. And he rocks a lot better too. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a generation that needs to be harnessed to be released for power. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing when people tell you just to wait. They're not saying no to you. They're saying wait. Yeah. Wait. And, you know, yeah. uh, it, you're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting. And, and I think the Lord's teaching this generation of secret place hiding a lot more than we've seen in times past. There's a, there's a secret place understanding. Um, and, and I just want to say this to you that maybe you, you, you're watching and maybe you're not to the place where God wants you to be in ministry, but you know the call is there. Um, and someone you feel like maybe is holding you back, they're just harnessing you for a moment. Um, because what happens when we get in the lights of public display, listen, a lot of people's lives are on hand. Yeah. A lot sure. of people's lives are at hand, and we need to mature. That's what Joseph's whole journey was about, was, was he was maturing him into, he was maturing him in the jail, maturing him in the prison, maturing him in the pit. So by the time the dream was finally fulfilled, he was standing in power, uh, he had been matured into it. We see it with David's life. David yeah. didn't get, he was anointed at a young age with Samuel. Samuel anoints him with oil as a young man. Then he has to hide in caves, and the king turned his back on him, yep. and he was rejected. But eventually, he was maturing him into being the king. Um, and even with Jesus, like we don't see Jesus till he's thirty. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then Jesus goes he into grew. into into a hiding for forty days and grows and in, in all these things. And and the Lord is hiding you. Then the greater the purpose, the greater He's going to hide you for a while. Um, and there's going to be a lot happen in the process. And you know, a lot of times we, well, if we're in public ministry and stuff happens, I can't give up because the ministry matters. Mm -hmm. What happens if you're not in public ministry, but the calling is there and he's hiding you? Yeah. Will you give up? That's how you know you're really called, because you won't give up. And I got to say to that's you. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. You, if you're really called, you will not give up. You will have a grit that is, to, I'm not telling you won't have bad days. I'm not telling you there are days where tears won't come down your eyes. Or that eyes. you won't be really tempted to give up. You won't, but yes, yeah. you will throw fits. You will, you'll feel like you give up for a day, a season. But listen, do not ever let a day define your calling. Hmm. And, and I can't say it to you enough. Do not let a day, because I've had, and I, I started with the worst thing, with the rape. But I, I can tell you multiple things over the last 30 years that were as big or what felt like worse in those moments. Hmm. But they don't matter now. Because I had to go back to the identifying foundation of why those days felt so bad to me. Mm. Um, and, and those days don't matter because they're just watering at the bridge now. But um, the, the maturity and growing into a calling is, is the grit to keep going. I know that I'm called. One thing that really helped me with marriage, Abner, is I remember when we first got married, we're trying to like learn each other and all those arguments are happening and disagreements and all this stuff. And I remember getting to a place where I said, my wife's going to be here next week. Why are we arguing? You know what I mean? Like, we're just making ourselves miserable for three days, and she's still going to be here next week. <laughs> so let's just stop and enjoy life. Yeah. I'm not saying we still don't have little tips here and there, uh, but the reality is, is that it matured us, grew us. And so if you know you're called, a day don't define you. 
It's good. A week, no, no, a season does not define you. A person's rejection. Uh, Jesus' purpose to the cross was not defined by Judas's betrayal. But that betrayal is what got him to the cross. Yeah. And those betrayals and rejections and things that pushed you to the backwards, to the back, and what felt like God was pushing you back was actually uh, like a marker where he's moving you and navigating. I talked about that uh, in the last podcast we had, and, and is that what got me to where I'm at now in Potomac Highlands. It was a really rough year last year. Hmm. A year of spiritual warfare, a year of people doing crazy stuff, but it was detaching my heart from a season to get me into a new season. Mm. So um, just hang in there. Yeah. Spend a lot of time with the Lord. Know your calling. Let Him define your calling. One of the things that really helped me, and I'll end with this, and I'll let you talk, is Bishop Jakes always says this verse, and it really helps me. Mm. It, there was a verse by uh, Ephesians 1.6, and it says, I've been accepted in the beloved. And that verse means... It defines my whole existence. Is that no matter who's rejected me, no matter who's pushed me to the back, no matter what bad day I've had, no matter what abuse I've walked through, is that even when they don't accept me, He does. And if He accepts me, and He calls me, He has great purpose to where we're going. Yeah. So, anyway, that's a lot. No, it's good. Um, just some things were popping out to me that are, are kind of, I feel like the station God has us here yeah. in this talk is um, in process there's always hiddenness mm. and also your story too makes me all think of this truth that always resounds within me that the enemy cannot destroy our life when no. God's hands on it yes. and I know that I, I, I believe on the result of my mom my parents prayers protection mm. even when I was making some really poor choices God um, kept me kept me from dying yes um and i think that hiddenness is part of the journey but i have learned this though too is that in hiddenness that the bible teaches it's a good it is a good thing to desire to be a bishop so wanting to be in ministry wanting to be even a business a success in business Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that and i never want to shame that desire in people. But I've also learned that when these challenges happen, when these difficulties happen, that may, you know, you, you go a lot of different ways with whether God is doing it or allowing it. It's, to me, it's irregardless, you're experiencing yeah. it. Once you walk, those, walk through those things and you, you, in the hiddenness and in the challenge, God never is wasting time. No. And he's either doing something in you or teaching you how to react and all that stuff. So uh, in that process, though, what I've learned is when you, when it seems to me, when, and, and, I, and I've experienced this in my own life, and I've seen it with other leaders who have done impossible things for the Lord, is that the actual fulfillment of the word, it's kind of like your life is not defined by that. Because he's done this work inside of you, yeah. your life is not defined by being, I'm the pastor of Believers, yes. you know, Victory Center. Uh, I'm thankful that I have a public ministry. I'm thankful that I influence people. But it's like, I, that is, that does not define me. Yes. Whether it's one person or 20 people. Yeah. I just, I, I, I really mean this. And I couldn't yes. have said this maybe even 10 years ago. 
my life is defined by if have I done what is pleasing to the Lord? Yes. Have I done that? I'm thankful if it's the 10, 200, the 2,000. Yes. But um, because at the end of the day, thousands of people are not going to stand with me with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to mm. be, Abner, did you, were you, a, were, were you yeah. a faithful servant? And so I think he does give us this, and he, he delights and promises. He delights in exceedingly mm. abundantly. But at the end of the day, the only one really that you can actually point to mm-hmm. of fulfilling what God told us is God himself and Joseph's mm-hmm. trust in God. Mm-hmm. So yes. I want you to pray for people too who maybe been through dramatic things or even think some people would say like, now yeah, you try to cure yourself, that dream that God, that you just, because I think there is that mindset that sometimes we make choices that have completely disqualified us from God's mm-hmm. purpose. And a lot of people know that they're forgiven. Mm. A lot of people know that they're going to heaven, but they're like, yeah, I, I know I can't do that because of, hey, I got a divorce or yeah. I cheated him or I did this or I did that. And and there's no way God would mm-hmm. want to. Let me just pray. For people. So um, and anything else? Disqualification of things that you walk through. I remember for, and I grew up in Florida, hot, hot. I mean, like sticky, humid hot. I wear long sleeves all the time to mm. hide scars on my body. I'd, I'd go places mm-hmm. and was trying to hide what I'd walked through in a lot of ways. It, the scars are just a physical representation of what I was hiding in my own heart, yeah. my own emotions. And, and I did feel like it disqualified me. And I, I could talk about that for a while because I had even, like I was, remember I was on Daystar, I was about to go on Daystar and having this interview. And I remember um, right before we went on, the guy said, hey, I know about your past. Let's not talk about that. Wow. So here I'm supposed to tell my testimony, but then I'm being told to not talk about that. Wow. Um, and so it shut me down for years. And then all of a sudden I was in a service somewhere, and the Lord says, speak about the abuse you walked through. Hmm. And this was just about five years ago. And the Lord has allowed me to, like the scars on my body, uh, he started showing me I'm going to use them for power. And I've seen people walk out of depression, anxiety, suicidal spirits that has been on their life. I've seen it literally snap off, and it reminds me of the power. I mean, like we look at Jesus' scars, and we think, that's my healing. That's my transgressions on his scars. Mm-hmm. But your scars define what you can help somebody else with as well. And those identifying things that I walked through when I was a young man no longer identify me, but they give me power to help other people now. And they give me power to help other people. And there's been times I've stood in services with straight boldness and have spoken to those demonic, depressive spirits, anxiety spirits. And so I just want to speak to someone that's walking through, that's walked through that trauma. Yeah. Um, you know, the statistic is one in every six men uh, have been abused or raped in some form, but never talk about it. And, and there's, a, there's a generation of uh-huh. men that's Shaka become Kaya. angry um, and, and they become non-communicative and they don't speak, but there's roots of trauma and abuse there, and, uh, and, and I just speak to those things, and I want to say the Lord is going to give you a, a grace to begin to open up about those yep. things and begin to communicate. It's, the Lord says, the Word says, when we confess our sins or our stuff one to another, we begin to have healing. So confession helps that as well, and the Lord is going to give you people that you can trust with your stuff, 
uh, to begin to speak to that. But I just speak right now before you ever get to that place. I speak to the trauma. I speak to the abuse. I speak to the sexual abuse. I speak to the domestic abuse that you walk through. Uh, and I just speak to it even right now. And I say every residue, tormenting spirit of the past has tried to hold you and identify you. I speak to it and I say, be gone in the name of Jesus. And I speak to that residue and I say, it's gone. It will not define you, but you are defined by a sonship and a daughterhood of the Lord. And one thing my friend has taught me is that you are a friend of God. You're a friend of God. And no matter who's betrayed you, the stuff you've walked through, if he be for you, who in the world can be against Thank you? Thank you, God. And there's a new identity that's going to begin to latch on to you, an old identity, but it's going to become a new identity of revelation that you're going to walk through. So I just speak to those things. I can just see hooks. I, I, I don't know what that's about. I just see hooks that are literally ah, attached to your up. heart, that have things that have happened of trauma, and I, and I can literally see the hooks being detached from your heart even right now and they're going to be released and those hooks are attached to things in the past or people and i just see them being released in the name of jesus even right now yeah in the name of jesus yeah. and i just come into agreement with that i break the power of depression i break the power of sexual addiction i break the power of torment those of you who've maybe felt like God, I, I hate this, but I, I just feel bound by this. Mm. We break away that. And I also just release a grace for uh, those of you watching who uh, it's like you're terrified to share your mm. struggle, your abuse. Um, I don't know why I'm seeing this. I see like this picture of mm. an elder abusing a young child, but you're not a young child anymore. You're an adult. Yes. You've never told anyone about that. And the Lord would say to you that this is a season of allowing, of actually bringing that in the open, allowing yourself to be healed. And you've actually said, you know, it doesn't matter. I've dealt with this. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. and, and because most of your life is very functional in a lot of ways, but there's still this deep pain there yeah. that the Lord just wants to deliver you from. Yeah. And so I just released the boldness. I see, uh, I, I see a picture of like a pastor watching this. You've been mm -hmm. abused. You've never told anyone about it. And it still affects you today mm. with shame and guilt and, and even some personal things. And so I just released the grace to you to, um, to step out and, and, and find someone uh, safe to share that with. Yeah. And, and when, we, when, I, when I give these words and, and, and these things, I'm not saying just share it with anyone. I'm saying find someone who is yeah. safe that you can begin to open up to this. Uh, to, uh, uh, you can open up this area of your life to and we as a ministry, we, we want to stand with you too. Yes. If, if you say, hey, I've never told anyone about this, or uh, we, can, we can point people to you in the right direction that can begin to help you unravel that area of your life. Mm -hmm. And the encouragement today is that um, you cannot receive freedom from something that you're not willing to identify mm -hmm. and be honest with the Lord with about. So... Uh, the email for our ministry, general email, you can just let us know. Uh, maybe somewhere we can help you is info at abnerswaters.com. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I see this, that when you first started dreaming, you became like Joseph, and then the trauma began to happen. And, but I just hear the Lord saying, dream again. Dream again. Uh, and it may go back to the beginning dream, but I hear the Lord saying, dream again, and there's going to be a fresh wind um, and to where you're going to be able to dream with ease again. Yeah, amen. Yeah, so dream again. Amen. I just hear that in my spirit. Dream yeah. again. 
Well, you know, I want to say that uh, before we close this program, uh, and, and God might change it in the future, I just pray, and when I bring friends on here, um, I just, I always, I, 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 we start somewhere, and I just kind of always try and discern what God wants us to emphasize, and we certainly did not think we were going to go here in this no, broadcast, but we I, did not. I appreciate your transparency yeah. and sharing that, but I believe God has ministered and spoken and done what he said, and... Um, so thank you, Pastor Rich, yeah. for joining us. Honored. We're, I'm sure we'll do this again yeah. soon when we see each other. But I, I want to thank you, friends, for joining us on this broadcast. This was part two with Pastor Rich Sparks. If you missed last week, I encourage you. You can go on our website, catch the archive programs and any other program that you might miss. Every Thursday, 6.30 Eastern on AdverseWars.com and our social media platforms. We're honored that you would join us. And then, of course, archived on iTunes, on uh, uh, what's the other SoundCloud, yeah. all the other different ones. And uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, we have lots going on. Daniel Company prayer call every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Faith Seminar in Paso Robles, California. Faith Seminar in uh, Glen Bur excuse me, Arnold, Maryland with my dear friends, Dave and Tracy Winnington. We have a mission trip where if you want to go to the nations with us, December First through the, excuse me, November 30th through December 7th, Dominican Republic, going to be doing a leadership conference, ministering to the poor. My dear friend Adam Levecki is leading that, and we're partnering with him in that. So lots going on. Thank you so much for joining us once again. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.